This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on market scale. Nowadays, we put a lot of AV on the ones and zeros. They want more features, but they want to see less hardware. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Scale Pro AV Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and today we're joined by Matt Abraderis. He's the president and founder of Ponto Solutions, and we're going to be chatting with Matt about two main things. First, a paradigm shift among AV companies and how the AV industry is really going down two paths, one that is more get your install in and get out solutions, the other being more business oriented. We're also gonna be chatting about the rise and power of digital menu boards and how really that's just one example of how interactive technology is really taking over the AV space. Matt, great to have you on the podcast. How you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks Daniel. So let's go ahead and jump right in. I know that Ponto Solutions really prides itself on its end-to-end services, Um, but before we jump into what Ponto does to stay ahead of the curve, I want to talk about the overall trend of more business-oriented companies and more business partnership-oriented relationships within the AV industry. Why have you seen the industry go down that route? And I know you mentioned earlier it's really breaking up into two different paths. That and the traditional will get in, do the install, and then get out. Why do you feel like it's splitting in those directions, and how do you see each one serving its own purpose? Well, I think with technology, the way it's going, it's expanding. The capabilities are expanding significantly. Uh, There are quite a few uh, more options today than there was even a year or two ago uh, for the clients to utilize. Um, When we work with clients, we try to understand what their objectives are, what their business objectives are. It's kind of, uh, and then we take that information and we we translate that information into technology. The people who are typically driving uh, the objectives or strategy of a company are typically not the tech people. Uh, They're the senior leadership group, the the CEO, the the CFO, uh, chief revenue officer, um, whoever it might be. Uh, And so they're always looking to, understand how they can utilize technology to meet their objectives. Essentially, what we do is we, we transfer technology into profits and growth for our customer base. Yeah, I love that. You know, investing the time, investing the money and the energy, not necessarily into, okay, we need to expand our inventory of products, but instead let's expand our ability to grow the relationship with these clients. Have you found that to be beneficial in the AV industry? Are are the clients that you work with often looking for that? Or do you still have clients that really are just looking for the integration and then for you to leave? Well, it, as you mentioned earlier, Daniel, I think, I think there are two paths that are uh, happening in our industry. Um, the first one we talked about, the end-to-end solution. I think our business knowledge and the fact that we come from a business background, uh, much more than a technology background. Now, of course, we have our technology folks on staff to make sure that we're providing the right solution for the customer. Uh, but when we talk to the client, we look at their objectives and, and that creates a longer term relationship with the client. We rarely will go in, do an install and uh, walk away. Uh, we hardly never, never do that because the relationships that we establish with them, they engage with us and have us in their meetings. They include us 
in their budget meetings, in their strategy meetings, so that we understand their objectives and we work as a team and a partner with them. Right. So it's typically a long-term relationship. In fact, we still engage with just about every client we've ever had to this day, simply because investment in AV and technology isn't a one and done process. Technology is always improving. And when you work that closely with a client, they'll frequently call me up and, and say, Matt, we're trying to accomplish this now. What in technology or the AV space might be a tool that we could put in our arsenal to help us grow our business, increase our client base? increase customer satisfaction, whatever their objective might be. And simply because of that, the relationships continue on and on. And it's very common for us to, to start a project one year and have that project run two, three, four years with the relationships that we've established uh, as we continue to grow with the client as a partner. And I feel like the large companies in AV, you know, your your absence, your diversifieds, they probably don't have as big of an issue adapting to that business-centric or you know, relationship-centric side of the AV industry because they have the resources. But when you start looking at the smaller integrators, you know, your, your small local AV companies, have you found that they struggle to adopt the more business-centric mentality around building relationships with their clients? Because I know you didn't actually have your background in AV or technology. You came from business and business consulting. So when you founded Ponto Solutions, you already had that mentality in place. Do you find other people in the industry struggling with that? Or do you feel like it's actually pretty integral to succeeding in AV? I think I find other companies struggling with that. And, and, I wouldn't say it's their fault. Right. I, I think a lot of it's customer driven. And in, in the technology industry, a lot of times our our uh, products or our projects get pigeonholed into maybe the technology or the uh, IT side of a company. And so they end up by talking techs and they kind of drive the client to that position. It's pretty hard to get out of that arena uh, once the client drives you into that arena. So I believe the challenges are occurring a lot from the customer on down. So what we've done is we've gone beyond that and taken a business consultative approach. Some companies don't have that, that knowledge to be able to understand how a company is run and what and uncover the critical objectives of the client to be able to leverage that information and provide them a good solution that that coincides with their objectives of the organization. I think there are still two paths in this industry. Many clients are still out there. They'll put an RFP out. Uh, a general contractor will put an RFP out. The AV company will bid on it. Uh, the AV and they'll bid against a number of different companies. Uh, typically three or four different companies. And if you're either A, the low bid, or or you've got a, a better solution, uh, you're going to get the deal. You're going to go in, you're going to install, you're going to go on to the next deal. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That part of the industry is always going to exist. We don't work as much in that area of the industry. And if a company wants to get outside of that standard process, the investment needs to occur, occur in an area in our industry where I don't know if, if there's been a lot of investment in, in the uh, personal capital to 
hire the proper people to go in and have those conversations with the client. So it, it really all depends on what your objectives are as, as an organization. Right. I think both models work well. I think uh, a lot of the big projects where the senior management is involved, uh, there's going to be a lot more of a shift towards understanding business objectives. But for the uh, general building of office buildings and, and uh, uh, hotels and, and things of that nature, I think there's still a space there for, for the other category where you go in, you spec out the equipment, you, you design and engineer the project, you go and install, and you go to the next one. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that the paths are going to you know, crumble away. I don't think it's a fork in the road that you have to decide necessarily you have to go down one path or the other. Though I do think there is a, a, a bigger push for that business-centric relationship. Um, I, you know, I think the biggest differentiator is the time investment. Because on one end, you invest more time, money, and energy into building client relationships, and therefore you, you have to map out projects longer in advance and you have to probably take less projects because each one requires more resources. On the other end, you get to do more projects, but each project is sort of a, a one and done unless you have a loyal customer that wants to come back and appreciates what you did. So, you know, you have to balance several things on each side. Um, what would you say are the benefits of both? Um, because I think both options are beneficial you know it, it's it's kind of difficult to say one is better than the other because i can see both of them servicing the industry in their own way yeah i think that's a good question i think i think the business model uh especially when you work under general contractors which might put out an rfp for the av side or the low voltage side um that relationship with that gc can be very beneficial and if you've got a good relationship with a handful of of good general contractors and there's a lot of trust between you uh, and the general contractor it's an easy way to to get business if you can continue that relationship on a on a positive uh, manner um, then you're really beginning to turn a lot of projects and so you're getting a lot of revenue flow and i think it's a wonderful model um, there's like i said there's a big market out there for that um, you're probably not going to see uh, the margins that you would see on the other business model, but on the other business model, you're, you're essentially living and growing with the client, uh, oftentimes for years. It's not uncommon for us to engage with the client two to three years before a project even begins to map out strategy and understand what we're doing. Now, that's not very time consuming in the beginning. It's, it's building the trust of the client, making sure they understand that our approach is different. We have a little bit different model here. Um, and so the, the challenge with that side to it is if you invest that much time with the client and you don't end up by agreeing to a contract with that client, that can sometimes be uh, quite a bit of time invested uh, where you're not going to see a return on it. Right. The benefit to that model, however, is the relationships that you establish with the client base and what that does for your brand equity in the industry. And when you work at that level, usually the top people in an organization know other top people in other organizations. And so you really get that word of mouth um, support from your clients 
because you're there with them. You're there with them through the good, through the bad. When things aren't working well, you, you're you're committing to to fixing them and you're living with them. Uh, it's not uncommon again for me to office on site at the customer location throughout the duration of the project, um, and they really appreciate that personal attention coming from our organization, working with the installation team, with the other contractors that might be on there to coordinate the installation, ensuring our equipment doesn't get damaged, making sure we're, we're going in at the right time so that the drywallers aren't, aren't cutting drywall and, and, and having dust fly into speakers and, and displays. Right. And, and so that relationship can sometimes command a little bit more of a, of a gross margin because the value is there. And when I work with clients, I talk to them and share with them how we operate. And they can choose to either go with uh, the quick install and I, I want you out of my building, or they can go with the, we're going we're gonna to be with you for the journey piece to it. And not every customer wants that. However, when we do uh, work with them at that length, uh, the original contract will start out at one point and it typically expands in almost every situation over the next couple of years. It will expand and sometimes even, even double uh, in size from the original contract simply because they see the value that you're bringing. And you, you, I think you are able to, to hold a little bit more margin. Um, but it's also a big commitment and time commitment to the client. Right, exactly. Both ends have their positives and their negatives, but like you said, those relationships end up being more healthy, and you get to coach them through the business decisions behind the technology, not just give them the tech and and say, all right, adieu, right? So let's talk now about that technology. We're going to chat about digital menu boards specifically, and I want to chat about the fast food industry because, well, I think the food and beverage industry is always fighting for business because things are getting more competitive. You're starting to have more technology enter these spaces like self-service kiosks and online ordering, and you're starting to see almost every fast food chain integrate some kind of delivery. I mean, even Chick-fil-A is starting to deliver, right? They're trying to find new ways to reach new customers. So the digital menu board is an interesting piece of tech that not only can amplify the experience for the customer once they're inside, but can actually have tangible returns on investment because of the way that they're laid out, the way they're designed, and can actually maximize revenue uh, for every customer walking through the door. So let's chat about digital menu boards and how you've experienced these business-minded decisions how you've convinced people to utilize tech like this, and really how the proliferation of digital menu boards is really tied into this paradigm shift among AV companies too, right? As you're starting to see more business-minded AV companies, you're starting to see more innovative solutions with the technology. That's right. As everyone knows, the, the technology is only as good as the content, especially when we talk about uh, digital signage and digital menu boards. Um, the content strategy for digital signage and digital menu boards. Uh, I think it's a little bit different than, than, than what many organizations I've experienced are used to dealing with, especially when you introduce a new strategy. Uh, they don't seem to fully understand all of the opportunities that they have, whether it's selling digital real estate, whether it's cross-selling, whether it's informing the, the customers. 
And your point on the competitive market in the food and beverage industry and and how that's increasing significantly in all these other offerings. The reason digital menu boards are so important is because digital menu boards aren't designed to get the client in the door. Okay, the client is going to come in the door. That's one marketing strategy. And this goes to the business side of, of our business model and understanding how the client's going to work. Once the client gets there and it's getting harder and harder and harder to get more and more people in the door with all the increased competition. So what's another way that you can capitalize unity? That's getting as much that you can from the client once they're actually in the door. That's a different marketing strategy than getting them in the door itself. So the way the menu boards are designed, the positioning, the information that you put up there, uh, the size of the font, the locations, how it flows, whether it's dynamic or static, all of these elements have an influence on the purchasing behavior of the customer while they're at your facility. I, I remember we, we do a lot of, of uh, large uh, venues, concert venues, pro sports venues. Uh, pro sports venues is a good one because you, you, you have your pro sports team playing one night. And then you have, uh, let's say, Metallica concert one night. And then one night you have Disney on Ice playing. Well, what we found is our clients typically use the exact same menu for everyone. And the audience you're catering to is different in each one of those situations. So to capitalize on your audience, it's understanding who your audience is and what you're trying to accomplish with that audience. And so when we work with our clients, we talk about what are the other objectives. It's not always selling extra products. Sometimes it's selling the brand. Sometimes it's saying, hey, listen, we're, we're linked up to this nonprofit organization supporting this element for the community or this topic for the community. Go over to section 123 and see our booth and talk to us about what we're doing. That's selling your brand, your community involvement. And that could be a, a strategy or an objective of the organization. And if you're trying to capitalize on a specific audience, whether it's a sports event or a concert, uh, you really need to cater your information to the audience that way. That's why I like the relationship element of this. It's, it's not a one and done. When we do digital signage and digital menu boards, our clients will work with us and will actually track the increase in check size or increase in sales as time goes on. And we'll try different things based on what the objectives are. And the objectives may be to keep, keep somebody on site longer. So, so how do you do that? Or to, to cross-sell, and we want to add more beverages onto every sale. Whatever the objective is, that's what we translate for them with the creative side of Ponto Solutions. And we actually create that content for them. Again, not just digital menu boards, but digital signage in general. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it really isn't about the technology necessarily, but it's about utilizing the technology and the content that goes onto that technology that I think often is more integral to that business side of the relationship because the advice that you can give as a end-to-end -end service provider often the technology side of that can be given by your one-and-done integrator as well. They know the tech, you know the tech, but what gives the leg up to the business-minded professional 
is, okay, how can we now utilize the content on this technology to match each audience that you serve, to be adaptable, to be entertaining, maybe to, based on the sizing of how you place things, actually encourages customers to purchase a certain product that you get higher returns on because it's a better margin. All those kind of conversations, I'm sure you experience on a day-to-day. Give me an example of one that really stands out as you got to collaborate with a client on a piece of content for that technology, and it really showcased the power of not only the tech, but that business relationship. Yeah, I remember we did a, uh, a sports arena. Uh, it was a pro sports team, and uh, they were using static signage throughout the entire facility. And we had been talking and talking about digital signage. And uh, so we did a test. We did a test. We worked with the senior leadership. We talked about what the, what, what the best return would be on their investment. And it came down to them actually remodeling the, the concession space itself. Uh, to make it look a little bit uh, more dynamic, uh, just just kind of update the area, and 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 we we hit three different concession areas, and we included digital signage, and they uh, they had provided their own digital menu boards, and then we provided uh, digital menu boards, and they they started to understand the difference and get it. We did do some tracking year over year. Those three concessions ended up by being the top grossing concessions in the entire facility by the time we were done with it after that first year. Since then, we've done a full digital signage, uh, digital menu board strategy throughout the entire facility, uh, essentially remodeled and restructured their entire pricing strategy and how they portray themselves. Uh, and so now their food and beverage sales have been uh, increasing significantly because the client's walking into a, a, an area where they, they perceive it as it being new, it being cutting edge. And the way that we're able to present this utilizing dynamic capabilities, uh, we're able to present more information and tailor it specific to the audience that we're getting to, which, which is driving sales. It's working out very nicely. Love that. I, I love that content remains king uh, in Pro-AV. I think it's a trend that we've seen for a while. It's going to continue because really the technology, yes, it improves. Yes, you're starting to get tighter pixel pitch, micro LED technology. Um, your LCD screens are going 8K now, especially like Samsung screens that now are smart 8K. All of that wows. But at the end of the day, if the content for the business owner isn't engaging with the audience, then really all you have is a flashy sign or just something that adds aesthetic value but doesn't really promote anything that's business-oriented. And yes, aesthetic value, AV technology has a place, and a big place. I mean, AV as art is a real thing. But I think as a business consulting company that provides AV solutions, finding ways for the content on those screens to really drive home value is key to retaining those clients. So really cool to get this insight from you, Matt. I really enjoyed chatting, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Daniel. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.